Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello. I'm so, so happy to bring you the absolutely lovely Laura Gallagher, author of the fabulous book, Robo Babies. Following her own fertility journey, Laura wanted to write a book for children that celebrated and explained all the wonderful ways that families are made. This is a book for everyone, as we all need educated so that taboos are broken. It's fabulous, informative and fun, and the illustrations are gorgeous. Enjoy the show. Hi, Laura, how are you? I'm good, Zoe, how are you? Very well, thank you, very well. I'm loving your jumper, by the way. It's lovely. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> it says, it's, yes. it's, it's Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Isn't it just? Day tomorrow, so, I should, yeah, should say it says love, 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 and I've just called it lovely. That was a bit um, yeah. unimaginative of me, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that as well because we were talking. I was, I suggested we chat tomorrow, and you're like, "No, I'm doing something romantic with my husband." And, <laughs> and I looked at mine. And I mean, what's happened to us? <laughs> I mean, romantic as in let's let's actually cook something special and sit at the table and look at each other rather than put on friends. Yeah, and TV dinner and that. <laughs> yeah, so that's as far as romantic lockdown life. I mean, we may have pushed the boat out if we were allowed to go out. We may have been gone to a restaurant, but there's no restaurants open. So, well, you can wear your, you can wear your love jumper and something special. Yeah. Isn't it, maybe? <laughs> yeah. God, that would be that would be a Valentine's gift to her, I'm sure. <laughs> a Valentine's miracle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, talking about Joe, tell me how you met him. So, Joe and I met. Um, actually 10 years ago or just over 10 years ago we met in a really it's iconic but iconic for where I, we're, we both live in Essex mm-hmm. so it's just kind of outside London but we it's a proper Essex nightclub and I'm a bit older than Joe, and I was really there just for a laugh like I was there to just kind of dance and I was with my friends who were single and I'd come out of a really bad relationship but I didn't wasn't looking for anybody and then Joe walked in and I don't know there's just something about him we just instantly kind of connected straight away and I think literally from that moment we spoke every day and even though he was I was 26 he was 22 and that's quite young really yeah, yeah yeah we were we were both just like he, he he straight away kind of early on was like we we're gonna be together like we're gonna be married and I was like <laughs> okay <sighs> I'm just enjoying the single life and I remember he he but I kind of knew uh, very early on that we were gonna be together and you know when you just like go on holiday with someone and you spend loads of time with someone and they don't annoy you and and you feel really comfortable and and happy and yeah so That's so nice and it's quite unusual I mean, as well. <laughs> 
in a nightclub as well. I, in a nightclub, I, I thought I, I mean, there was a picture. Someone took a, a picture of us, like, and obviously we weren't even together. We just met, and we were. I was just like, had my arm around him, just like, ah. I was so kind of carefree. I just did. I wasn't looking for anyone, but um, I look back and I, I do think, I do think we must have both kind of had a little inkling that it was. I don't know. It it was definitely meant to be kind of oh. stay away. Yeah. I, love, I love that you've got a picture of yourselves together the first night you met that's really lovely yeah I think I was wearing some sort of bad kind of Kim Kardashian style dress like something I would never wear now but you know something I obviously thought I looked really good in <laughs> and yeah it was bad but did the trick but. he liked it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, when did you guys um start down your fertility journey so we got married in 2015 um we got married and we were quite happy we bought a flat we bought a one bed <laughs> you were quite happy from... <laughs> yeah yeah we were like we were all right we... we were a bit happy we just yeah. got married <laughs> yeah sorry we were just, everyone everyone was like oh you know you're gonna have babies and to be honest I mean I was 30 and I was I wanted to spend time with with Joe and we wanted to kind of travel a little bit and just kind of enjoy our time Mm -hmm. I mean I look back now and I cringe a little bit because obviously I didn't know what was coming but I do believe that that was we just had to do it I think if you have that gut instinct that you want to wait to have children I do think whatever happens you you need to kind of follow that so we did we followed that and we bought a one-bed flat which was basically going to the universe right we're having just yeah. <laughs> and um we we spent kind of a couple of years living there and we were trying in terms of you know we weren't using any contraception but um there, it, we were like if it happens obviously that will be meant to be but it, it never happened and I think subconsciously I was just aware that no, I just had this feeling that something wasn't right and that it, I don't know, it just, I've never had me scared and I've never mm-hmm. been on any contraception because when I did go on it, when I was kind of a teenager, it, it made me quite crazy. So I thought, actually, this is weird that I've never really had any scares or, um, and yeah, so we, we went um, quite quickly through some different hoops. Um, I actually not intentionally but we just didn't go down the NHS route because a few people had said you know what it takes a long time yeah and if you're over 30 which people do say oh over 30 doesn't matter it it does I think it does matter to a certain extent age because once you get to looking into your kind of biological fertility stuff with me especially I had a low AMH which is that that low amount of eggs and the quality mm-hmm. and so once we had a few tests realized that joe's sperm is fine but it was my eggs that weren't great i think i mean you're a midwife so i guess you'd be more kind of you'd understand i was just like numbers what the heck what the heck but it was like i had the egg age or amount of like someone much older than i was mm-hmm. so in my head i was like well this is this is actually really bad because if i would had started to have children maybe 10 years earlier it would have been absolutely fine but now I was like 32 and they the clinic said straight away right IVF is your best option so I thought oh gosh okay um what the heck is IVF and I was 32 I did I honestly didn't know and I was so upset 
uh, my sister was pregnant. Lots of people around me were pregnant and I didn't at this time. I mean, obviously now it's very different, but four years ago, I didn't know anyone that had IVF and I didn't know anyone my age and I didn't really know anyone that had gone through any fertility stuff. And I, I was so, so just shocked and, and, and embarrassed. And I felt like, I basically felt like I'd like failed as a woman. I, I was like, a bit, I, the one thing I was supposed to do, yeah. I felt like Joe didn't want to be with me anymore because now we were going to have to do something that wasn't almost kind of the natural way. And, yeah. and I couldn't believe that we couldn't just have sex and have a baby. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I, I just refused it. And I kept secretly thinking, oh, I would just keep having sex and it will happen. And it just didn't. So we kind of left it a couple more months and I was like, right, I know we can't afford it, but let's just kind of go the private route and let's get this like started. When we went, we found a clinic um, and um, we started our um, fertility uh, treatment. So it was just IVF with ICSI, yeah. which is when they, um, when they actually put it both together in the same test tube and they actually inseminate the sperm into the egg I think whereas before I think with the other other ones where yeah you kind of leave it to it this is very specific it's a bit extra yeah so um we we paid for every single thing extra we paid for embryo glue oh, the glue I that, that as well <laughs> yeah yeah I, I I was like what else what else what else can you add on <laughs> I mean we we went to town because in my head I mean, I was still quite naive about how what how IVF works and stuff, but I was like, well, if I do it all now and put everything into this first round, then it will work. And when I say to you, I did acupuncture. I did acupuncture before and after the transfer. I did Reiki. I did. <laughs> I went and chanted mantras. I sat outside. I wrote. Um, uh, mantras to the moon I did a vision board and on that first round and I couldn't I couldn't believe it I felt like I really truly felt like I had made some sort of magic scientific uh I don't know what well, I, I I couldn't believe it because people said by the way it takes a couple of rounds sometimes yeah. the first round is almost like a um preparing like your body round. yeah 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 preparing your body mm -hmm. and and also then as soon as I got pregnant everyone was like oh be be careful and and you know I had some people go oh well it's it's not really pregnancy yet so just wait and see well in my wow. head wow. I had seen, I'd seen that yeah oh I got I honestly I had I had it from everybody because I think people wanted to prepare me I think people didn't want me to um feel too much too soon just in case the inevitable happened or and because because it I mean IVF is kind of very uncertain and pregnancy is uncertain and I think because it had happened first time I think everyone just didn't want, want it to kind of go wrong mm. so I yeah didn't go wrong and we got our baby um but those nine months were um oh my god I actually cry thinking about it now because it it was it was amazing but at the same time just every day I was just terrified that that I'd been kind of um what's the word like dealt this amazing hand and I just couldn't let it 
go. Like I, I couldn't drop it. I felt like I was holding some sort of like treasure inside my womb that it, if anything went wrong. So I felt, spent the whole nine months uh, really anxious, um, very superstitious. I would. Do you think? Um, do you think a lot of that came from um, what people were saying to you at the beginning? That um, I think. I think. And... Yeah, it's you know obviously miracles are miracles, and I think I do believe. I do believe. I mean, I'm a little bit. You know, I, I believe in miracles, and I and I'm very positive. But it's people's words and people's experiences stick to you. Mm-hmm. So you know. And you can read stuff and, and there's all these horror stories and, and things happen to people and people don't want you to be let down or shocked like they were. So they tell you, um, even like birth stories and people people say, oh, this happened to my friend. I'm sure it won't happen to you though. Well, thanks, you just told me. And now I'm not <laughs> thinking about it. So I, I, think, I think that I, I just was in shock that it, it had worked. And I was very aware that we spent a lot of money yeah as well so it was a lot of pressure I think I think for any woman mm-hmm. or anyone that's going through um any sort of treatment where a lot is riding on it financially mm-hmm. um you're kind of putting everything into this and and what what happened with I'll just backtrack a little bit was we only had one viable embryo so we didn't have anything else in the freezer so wow. so there was you know we'd have the calls every day oh we've got Five. Oh, we've got four. We've got three. Um, you know, three three embryos. One looks really good. The other two, we're going to see how they are tomorrow. It got to the next day. Right, there's one embryo. The others didn't make it. The others weren't good enough. So when I went in and they implanted the embryo inside me, I honestly, I honestly didn't want to leave the place. I was like, can I just stay here? I just want to lie down and stay here because. I said to Joe, hold on a second. So if this doesn't work or, you know, stick or even get pregnant from that one embryo, we can have to do this all again. Whereas I know, and, you know, I'm not going to say people are lucky because no one is lucky to have to go through mm. something kind of so, uh, so I think it's quite harrowing, really. Yeah, um, but, you know, it is. But, you know, some people have some in the freezer. So they have that option if it doesn't work or they don't get pregnant to go again. Or, you know, a couple of years down the line, they can kind of revisit, oh, do we want to go again and have another child so they go back to the freezer? And I, I'm so happy for those people. But for us, I think it added another layer of pressure because we we just weren't, we just we were just kind of lost in this. If this doesn't work out, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board with debt mm-hmm. and um kind of experience that was just yeah it was it was like nothing else and it has really shaped us as a couple us as parents um and obviously just my kind of path being a mum and just kind of the yeah it's shaped everything and I think you you obviously understand that but going through something to get your child where you grow up thinking that it would be easy to have a baby it just you don't get over it and and I don't get over I, I can't get over when people just go oh we, we just we slept together and oh my god a month later we had a baby yeah I was and I, um, just... I was talking to a school <laughs> mum the other day and her husband uh works away in in Saudi and um, obviously we're in the UAE and um she's like right so if you want another baby you've got three weeks to get me pregnant 
so he got her pregnant <laughs> and I was just like what <laughs> and I'm a midwife I'm like I, sh- I know how that works but wow it's just it blows yeah. my mind um yeah and I think that's the hard thing when you're going through the fertility treatment as well because you just know that people just have sex and they and they get pregnant and and it's that simple and then you also start looking at the 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 millions of sperm you're like well there's that many million sperm what well, why can't one of them <laughs> wake yeah. their way into a bloody egg like what's going yeah, on yeah 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 come on <laughs> yeah I I think it's like it's it's one of those things that you you can't you can't quite believe that people's journeys to have a child would be so different you know like you know every baby is made out of love we know that even if you're doing IVF or you're using a donor egg or using a surrogate there's still love there but it must be so different to have a glass of wine on Valentine's Day (laughs) go upstairs have sex make love and then you're pregnant, like, or pop along to the clinic, be really stressed out, be really anxious, pay loads of money and 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 still get that amazing special baby. But there has there's such a difference between those two experiences. And as parents, like I'm sure me and Joe, and I don't know about you, but I'm we are so we're not we're not precious with him, but I I think, you know. I don't know whether I'd be the type of mum I am mm-hmm. if I hadn't gone to IVF. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, my I'm one of four, so my mum had four children. And, um, you know, I mean, being a mum is being a mum. Like, it doesn't matter. But I think her experience would be different to my experience because I've had that backlog mm-hmm. of anxieties before he even came into the world. Yeah, And this is why story for children so really for 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 Rafe when he's growing up to to know you know sometimes I was really stressed when you were born and really anxious because I hadn't let any of that anxiety go like I I still had it in me and and no one asked me about it once he was born because everyone's like he's here now you must feel really amazing I do but I just can't believe he's here (laughs) what did we do what happened? But, so so yeah. I, I interrupted you before when you were saying that you um, you were very anxious in the pregnancy and you were holding on, you know, felt like you were holding on to this precious thing. So how, how did um, how did it did that did that translate into his birth? Um, how did how did that side of things go? It's unfortunate that his birth was how it was because actually, alongside the anxiety, I did really um, tap into hypnobirthing and meditation and. I was very, this is the thing, this is how amazing our bodies are though. On the surface, I was meditating and, and doing hypnobirthing, but my body was doing something different. So I had mm. uh, preeclampsia in the end because I think I was just so anxious. I think I, I my whole body must have just been intense. My, my arms and legs have just ballooned and my face had ballooned because I believe it was my blood pressure was just so high with the worry and the stress. And so I got brought in early and they said that they were going to um, try and induce race at 38 weeks. So, and do like a, um, you know, do the pessary mm-hmm. and try and get it going unnaturally so he could come out earlier for, for me and for him really just to be safer and that seemed like an amazing idea because by that point I was like, I just want, I just want him to come out now. I just want to see him. I just want to meet him. 
And I know being induced is, is an option for, for a lot of people. But for me, that was actually very, <laughs> that was really stressful. It was four days before um before the before um the labor started so i had four days of um it not working and me just walking around the hospital and me um getting more and more anxious and yeah my blood and that, pressure was I higher think, and higher yeah. i think that's the issue though with induction is that it's it's you know if someone's going in for an induction i'd or health professionals' jobs is to educate that it that four days can be really normal, and it's actually it's not that it's not working; it's just that you're 38 weeks <laughs> with your first baby, and it's it you know your body doesn't have yeah. a clue what's going on, and it takes time yeah. and it's for it to respond. Plus, you're also like you're saying your your um your you know your adrenaline is going to be like through the roof because you're in this unusual environment with these loud noises, these strange noises, these bright lights, and so it's mm. going to take your body a long time to first of all mm. figure out what's going on with the drugs that. Are starting to hit it too that you're you know to relax in, in this in this weird strange place that you're suddenly asked to do the most primitive thing in the world in so you know if if, if health professionals said look I, I don't know it's something that I get really passionate about because I'm always like take an iPad take a, you know take all the food take your phone chargers you know expect to be there for four days before it kicks in because that it's it's not that you're failing or you, it's not working it's just that that's normal it's really normal yeah yeah, <laughs> I think that's it, isn't it? No, no, I no, and I love that. And I kind of wish someone had said, I mean, don't get me wrong, like our hospitals were amazing, but it was, it was very, I felt like I'd failed at conception and then I was failing, failing again at birth. Yeah, like, yeah. It felt like I could, couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted so badly to have this um, natural birth because I felt so connected to him mm. from the tiny embryo that I saw on the screen. So I had this, just this massive like overwhelming like oh god I just I just want this to be a really lovely experience and yeah it just it just was bad um it just kind of um I had an epidural and um I was pushing and I got to 10 centimeters and then I got a massive chill come over me and I had a fever and I was sweating and I was just really tired and they're like you need to push you need to push and obviously he was there ready to come out and then all of a sudden, everyone was like, C-section, let's go, let's go. And I was like, what is happening? And so I was like, we have, I have an emergency cesarean, like he's not coming out. He was absolutely fine. But what had happened was that we learned in our birth reflections three months after his arm had moved and he just, he just wasn't com- coming yeah. out. Like he, it, there wasn't space to come out. He mm-hmm. couldn't shift out of the position. So I had um, a C-section um which by that point like you said I was drugged up I was in shock <laughs> I remember lying on the, on the um I was just shaking yeah. with with all sorts of emotions and then it was and I I was just like I just couldn't believe he was here I just couldn't believe it we had a moment um next to me but then he had to go to Niku. So that was another bit of a moment where it, it, that for me felt really another shocking moment because he went and then I was lying there and everyone was, you know, the radio was on and they were just packing everything up and Rose had gone and Joe had gone. And I was just lying there and I was just crying. And I don't really know what I was crying for, whether I was happy. I do. (laughs) Your baby had just gone. Alone. Yes. it was really bizarre. And my sister lives in New Zealand. And so they must, they wheeled me back in. And my sister in New Zealand FaceTimed me 
in the room and obviously I was by myself and she was like, are you okay? Oh my God, he's here. And she was crying and I wasn't even crying. I was just like a zombie. I was like, hi. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. She's like, where are you? I was like, I'm in, I'm in the room. She's like, where's Zoe? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And I was, I just was out of it, uh, out of it. It was, it was, I feel sad and I feel a bit embarrassed saying it, but it just, it was not really um, the experience that I wanted through no fault of anyone. Yeah. And I think it was just, yeah, obviously Ray got stuck and he, he didn't come out and, um, but it affected, it then affected our start because then I couldn't breastfeed because I, I, I felt so anxious. I was then in for another five days. My blood pressure continued to get higher mm-hmm. because you know, it wouldn't go down. They kept coming in. And I was like, I said, come to go home. They're like, your blood pressure's too high. And I was like, how can I get it down? And and it it was just, yeah, the whole the whole experience was amazing and scary and just just overwhelming, I think. And we did go home and that was yeah, that was a really good day when we all kind of race was okay. He'd come out of NICU after forty eight hours. Um we were all allowed home and then when we got home it kind of felt like okay I'm a mum all right okay I can do this now whereas when you're in hospital it just it felt like I couldn't start yeah um start being being a Mm mum and then and then and then you've got to deal with having a cesarean and trying to get up and down the stairs and that all of that jazz but it was yeah it was an experience but I think I've kind of worked through everything we, we we felt like we needed to talk to um we we felt like we wanted to have some kind of explanation and answers because I kept telling people oh I got 10 centimeters but then I had a cesarean and everyone kept going well what how did you do that so you had basically a natural birth and then you and then you had to have a cesarean and I was like I don't really know why I don't really know what happened so I'm glad that I spoke to the midwife yeah. at my six-week uh, appointment and said I'm really struggling with the birth and what happened in the event because I felt like I was doing it right and I think like you said you kind of you you start to think that you failed at first people go oh oh did you you had a cesarean in the end oh what shame or oh don't really and because I didn't have that skin on skin I felt like everything that I'd hoped for had had kind of been taken from me so he was here and I just kind of wanted to focus on that miraculous moment that he was here but it was just surrounded by a lot of complications that were out of my control and you 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 think you kind of can deal with the resilience of everything but when you're hormonal and you you just yeah you're pregnant and then like it's just kind of all overwhelming I was really therapeutic talking about it getting it all out (laughs) (laughs) you did like um, a birth debrief did you do any any counseling or anything else to to kind of help um Um, I I didn't um but I've since I mean I've since seen my homeopath who has helped me um, kind of understand and helped me and given me some remedies to kind of help with that. I mean, I, I don't like to say it, but it was quite traumatic. So it was to help with that trauma. And I, I do think that's helped because I was holding a lot of it in. Yeah. I think once you've had a baby, you can't you can't go around being like, oh God, it was so bad. Ah, you just get on with it, don't you? Mm. You, just, you just carry on and, 
and you and then two years later you're thinking about you know possibly having another baby or something and then and then you're like, wow, I need to deal with that because that was actually quite bad. And that actually scarred me. And if I, if I watch programs of people giving birth, like amazing births, bad births, any birth, I just, it, I can see it rising in my, in my, in my chest, that, that feeling that I felt that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think any mum, even if people had like on paper a good birth, it's just a big event that never yeah. leaves you. Mm-hmm. It Absolutely. just never leaves you, good or bad. It yeah. never leaves you. So, kind of the, the hand you're dealt, isn't it? And the way it makes you stronger, or you know, or how it how it turns out. It, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry, that's a bit. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Um, are you okay now? You're feeling? Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. I, I feel. I feel. I feel. You know. About. You know, obviously, I would love to be pregnant again, um, and like I, we we've kind of lost two pregnancies since race, so I feel like if I do get pregnant again, I feel like I will be able to kind of have fresh feelings around birth and and kind of and pregnancy, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that you've lost two as well. Yeah. It's not. It's not been. Um, I. It's just not. It's not an easy road, is it? <laughs> but getting pregnant, it's. It's not. Um, they've been. They were two ectopic pregnancies. Um, one was 2019, and one was last year, July. Um, so it was like six months ago, and um, it. It's just a shame because I, you know, going back back to these feelings, it kind of brings everything back up again, where you're like can I do it can I have another baby oh no I can't okay still not happening um I don't think we'll do IVF again um because I I think that it I don't know I I may be superstitious that it works first time and I just feel like I don't think I could muster up the energy for that Mm -hmm. but obviously now we've had two natural pregnancies that ended up ectopic I don't know what the future holds for us. I don't know. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I would love another baby and I would love a sibling for Rafe. But if it doesn't happen, then I will be happy that we, you know, we've experienced a child and, and I've experienced pregnancy. But um, yeah, it's it's a funny, it's a funny, I know like with you, we were talk, you know, talking at the beginning about secondary infertility and, I don't even know where I've got secondary infertility because I feel like I had it first, but now I can't get pregnant again. And then I think, but then I have got pregnant. So it's a really weird, I don't know where I It's a really strange kind of limbo world at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think I could maybe get pregnant naturally, I don't know. But I, you know, holding on to that pregnancy is, is, is something else. And then going through that pregnancy... I'll need my armour, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you can do it. (laughs) Oh, dear. So, Laura, um, would you talk to me about um, your amazing book, Robo Babies? Yeah. So after we had Rafe, um, I felt I had a lot of feelings, like I said, about, about kind of how it made me feel and how, I felt I was going to be as a parent and how my journey to get Rafe was different to other parents. 
And I thought about how it would be really amazing for children to grow up and not have that bombshell dropped on them one day when they're in their late 20s, early 30s, and then have no clue about the, you know, the possibility that they might not get married and have a child and be happy ever after. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be really nice to, to, and there wasn't that many children's books out there. There are a few and they're really, they're really lovely. But I wanted to talk about just how special children are and how special families are in whatever capacity. So Robo Babies is about um, all the different robots on, on this shiny planet and how um some robots need a little extra help to get a robo baby some need um some science or some need a kind person to help carry the robo baby or some robo babies need a family to look after them so they can feel safe so the book kind of talks about it you know it deals with topics like IVF uh donor conception surrogacy um adoption and and it's it's kind of a gentle start start a conversation to talk about that with young children. I know, I mean, I do say what the book's about to some people and they're like, oh God, you can talk about that with children. I'm like, well, you know, when when is a good time to start talking about yeah. a subject that affects one in like, what, six, seven people? Like there's a lot of people that can't have children and that need to use different different like avenues and you know that might be your son that might be your daughter I wouldn't wish that on anybody but that might be them and wouldn't it be nice if they realized that that wasn't abnormal or that they weren't a bad or person or they weren't alone Mm -hmm. and also the book kind of talks about the parents feeling so it says you know they wanted a robo baby but they were going to need to use some science this made them feel scared this made them feel like they weren't going to have a family because really I want to tell Rafe when he grows up like we went through a lot to get you and you know you're 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 so special but we were scared that we wouldn't get you and I I think it's important that children understand feelings that that we have Mm -hmm. so they can know that when they have them when they grow up it's okay like it's okay to feel scared it's okay to feel like you might not have a baby or I don't know like I, I think I mean the book has been really well received with the the people that I I wanted it to go in the hands of you know like you know it's not going to be a book for everybody but I do believe that every child should read it because you know that a child might have a friend that's a surrogate or that has been born by surrogacy or might be adopted yep and yep. it's good for children to learn just you know the different ways like the families I, I are made think, up in so many ways and you know yeah, every, family, every, everybody needs yeah. to know that yeah so have you Everybody read it to Rafe? Know it. Yeah, I've read it to Rafe so many times. He he loves it. Does he? Also have Robo Baby pajamas as well, which um my friend she like made some to kind of go with the book. And I he doesn't really understand in terms of like he understands the emotions, which I kind of really love. So there's a page where the robot is looking really sad because they want a family. Like the robot's really sad. And I'm like, yeah, because he wants a baby. He's like, oh, why can't we have a baby? I'm like, oh, because his parts don't work. Look. And then we, we, you know, on the page, there's like the little robot parts, little cogs and the little wheels. And that's a simple, cool. Okay, they want the baby, but the parts don't work. Okay, so 
you know, hopefully, you know, when we were all growing up, the books we read, the Disney films we watched, the musicals we watched, the rom-coms we watched, that that was our narrative. Cool. We'll have this really amazing time where we meet the love of our life and we go and get married. And then one month later, you have a baby and everyone's so happy and no one has to deal with these complex feelings that is real. And it's been since time began that people can't have children, but no one's ever really discussed it yeah. with us yeah, yeah. no absolutely and, <laughs> and with we children up thinking well. we're weird yeah exactly <laughs> with children and I do I do I do get that some people might not want to discuss it with their child and that's absolutely fine like I'm not saying that that it needs to be but if you wanted to start the conversation with your child if you felt it was important you know I I believe that 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 I believe that my book would really help the conversation because it's a picture book it's not and there's no mention of egg and sperm and there's no mention of IVF or any kind of complex words it's really just simple the robot wants to have a family they want to make a robo baby but it might just be a different kind of mix of 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 elements to get that robo baby and to make a family and I, I believe so passionately that it should be in every school. I, I'm yeah. not even just saying it because it's my book. Even if it was someone else's book, I'd be like, cool. Like, this is a book that we need to grow up understanding these emotions around it. You know, like resilience and kind of, okay, oh, I can deal with this. This is fine. Or, or actually, I feel really sad about this. Okay, feel sad. You know, feel sad. It is a sad day when you, mm-hmm. when you think you can't have what you, I don't know. I, I just I feel really strongly that no I I think it's amazing I absolutely loved yeah. it and I told you I oh thank you to my heart out when I read it and then I had to read it to my children without crying <laughs> so, it's like oh, deep breath deep breath I hope you don't yeah. mind, I hope you don't mind me saying this it reminded me um of a book called not 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 the same book but it reminded me of something um called uh, a book called how a baby's made have you ever heard of that no right I had to google it before I spoke to you today it's really old school so I think it's probably made in the 70s and um when my sister and I were growing up it was just we had like this big tub of books which were in our bedroom and this was just one of the books in our bedroom and um it's it's I think probably now it, it would be thought as was very graphic and a bit explicit for, for young children to read, but it was about how a baby's made and the daddy and mummy have sex and it talks about the sperm and the egg and there's pictures. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and then it shows the baby growing and then the mummy giving birth um, on her back, sadly, but, you know, the mum gives birth yeah. and it shows a picture of this baby coming out. Um, and, and that was just in our bookshelf. And, like it was just, I, I would pick it up and flick through it at a very young age. Um, and it was just, you know, it was just there with She-Ra and He-Man and Peepo and all the rest of them. But um, we like, I just made me think of it because I never had to think, how is a baby made? I never had to sit down with my mum and go, mummy, like, you know, do, do people have a special cuddle and all of this? Like, I, I, I just knew, and maybe this is like, maybe, yeah. maybe it started the midwifery journey for me. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I just, it was just there and it was just normal and it wasn't explicit. It wasn't graphic. It wasn't weird. And, and like you say, it was much more, it's much better than a fairy tale where a baby gets left in the wood or something or some nasty yeah, person yeah. comes down to chop you down or something. Um, it was, yeah. um, so it just kind of really made me think of your book as well, that if it was just something that was in children's bookshelves, that it, yeah. it would just, 
be something that is completely normal and accepted and a part of, okay, I know this happens. You know, I know, like you say, you don't explicitly say surrogacy, IVF adoption, but then when somebody yeah. has that conversation, they that child will think back to, oh, like the robo-baby or the robo-mummy. Yeah. And I, um, so yeah. I love it for that. And I think I completely agree with you that it should be in all schools. And I know yeah. there's people at the moment kind of talking about um, – uh, fertility issues being part of education um, mm. <laughs> I don't know I think that's probably the last thing on the government's mind at the moment yeah <laughs> but yeah. alongside it that's that you know it, it, yes 100% I, I think it should be and I think um, I just think we wouldn't have to have worry about having these deep upsetting conversations if normal everyday part life you know every you know normal mechanics and biology and everything is just part of how we bring up our children and actually um it, our, our son got too old and I remembered about it and I was like damn it I, I should have got that book uh, I was so cross with myself that it wasn't it isn't part of our of our um our bookcase um and it's not now and I, I don't feel like I can bring it in now because he's seven, like just turning seven yeah. and it's probably a bit yeah. late um but um, anyway, I, they probably don't print it anymore either because it's, um, yeah, it's probably too explicit. But. <laughs> no, but how funny that you ended up going to midwifery. Like you obviously thought that that was like a, just, an, just an absolutely normal part of life. And, and, and like, I, I love that. I think that that's what it is. I mean, I grew up on, I'm a singing teacher and I love, and musicals and a happy ending and when everything kind of reaches the height and then it comes and it's all resolved and it's lovely and I, I really I love that but I I'm just annoyed that I didn't ever have that that's what genuinely what happened when I was told I had IVF I was like that's not how it's supposed to go I had a fairy tale mm. wedding mm. oh no this isn't the fairy tale and I was almost embarrassed to tell people because that wasn't that wasn't how it was supposed to go but how amazing. And then when I told people, people were like, oh, oh, God, yeah, that is that is bad. But why not? If we all knew that that was actually a normal part of life, like you said, then we'd all be like, oh, OK, my friend down the road had that as well. Oh, yeah, you'll be fine with that. Or oh, yeah, we'll just be able time. to support one another much better if it was more. Yeah. If it was yeah. much more. And the understanding, empathy towards each other. You know, like people don't people didn't understand. People are like, okay, so you just pay to, to have it done. You know, like, you know, these celebrities that just go in and have a, take a month off of their busy schedules to go and have IVF. And It'll it's be like, like Paris Hilton. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not that at all. It's very, very stressful. It, it, and it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think, I think a lot of, because it happened for us first time, which I will never get over. I will never get over that it happened first time because it was like miraculous but scary and people were like oh when you do IVF you just go in and it happens and I'm like no 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 it was a 33% like that it was going to happen like mm. this is this this worked for us and I need to go and lie down and I need to not <laughs> see anyone for nine months because that that was that wasn't meant to be like to happen first time so I'm just going to go and relax here and I think people that didn't know about it almost knew me and thought that that was just like some sort of quick fast way to get pregnant and it wasn't like it was yeah. a, just a, a kind of event that luckily worked out for us but I you know it hasn't you know we haven't managed to have another baby since so yeah. you know it's, it's yeah it's 
it's something we need to just talk about more. And I know there's some amazing people and, you know, like we're, we're all opening up the conversation now and it's becoming kind of second nature. If someone goes to me, oh, you've got to have another one. I go, oh, I have yes. <laughs> post office lady and I, I just think like, post office lady <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't even hold back now or go oh I was pregnant like I was pregnant twice since then and I've lost them and you know and people don't know what to say whereas really that should be opened up we should all just be able to be like yeah. oh god okay yeah I understand and, and not think it's um, embarrassing but yeah, I'm, glad, I'm really glad you liked it. I'm so, oh, I I'm so it. glad. No, I so love glad it. it arrived in time as well. So quickly. It was incredible. Like things I've ordered before that still haven't arrived. I don't know what you did. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. A bit of fairy yeah. dust on it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So where can people get hold of it? So um, the book is published through Owlet Press. Um, they have some really beautiful books. Uh, really inclusive diverse um, kind of deal with lots of different themes to do with children but maybe they've um, got one on sex then <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah, have a look um uh, but I mean Amazon do it Waterstones um kind of any book any bookshop yeah. you can get it ordered into or get it um delivered but um yeah amazing anywhere from there really yeah thank you so much so um, my usual three questions towards the end of a podcast are if you were to have coffee with another lady or gin or whatever, um, who would it be and why? They can be famous, alive, dead, family, whoever. So I was thinking about this question. Um, I I would like to have a coffee, but actually thinking about her, she probably would want a glass of red wine and Berlin from the Tudor times. Oh, wow. <laughs> Berlin. I know you know what I have a real like I I love the Tudors so much and I think she was quite um quite an amazing amazing woman I think she went through a lot I think there was probably a lot about her and I just think she'd be really interesting she'd have loads of like gossip on Henry VIII <laughs> and also I love Six the Musical I don't know if you've heard of that before Six Musical and it's it's just amazing I, I, I just I just yeah, I would love to. I'd love to meet her though in the Tudor times. But I want to go back in time and have have a big feast with her, big Tudor feast, and just chat about everything. And I'm not sure. Just about be like that. Uh, no. weird kind of mutton type. No, no. I mean, yeah. Like, no, maybe not the or pork. something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe have a nice pie or something, yeah. and and know. just chat and just and just tell her like, wait, like you're a bit of a legend. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and you're I a legend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've just thought she'd be really interesting. I'm really interested in the Tudors. But apart from that, my three sisters, um, one lives in New Zealand, one lives in Abu Dhabi, and one lives the other side of London, but I still can't see her. So if I could have a cup of yeah. coffee with them right now in the same room, would be that would be amazing. Yeah, I have to admit when I, was, <laughs> when I was doing my research on you and like doing my Insta stalking, um, I didn't really read anything about Robo Babies. I got stuck on all your singing things. Oh, I love a musical as well, and I used to love to sing as well. So I just I watched all, oh, really? all your singing videos, and then I saw the one oh. you did for your mum, where all four of you sang, and yeah. it was oh, it was so lovely. I loved it. it yeah, I love it. We we used to sing together, but I think obviously. I mean, we were apart anyway because we were in different countries, but it was quite nice to bring us together. Yeah, 
together and see. Oh, yeah, it, that is that's funny. It, yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, so since becoming a mum, is there anything that you've caught yourself saying that your mum used to say to you? So my mum and dad, my mum was very much like she always said, she still says it now, but she's like, as long as you're a good, like genuine, nice person, caring, don't worry about things you do or, or grades or or being the best at something. If you're a, a genuinely nice person, um, you'll go far. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, Racy's only two and a half, so really my I don't have words of wisdom I'm more just like get your shoes off but I I am I am already just wanting him I'm trying not to focus on his kind of achievements and whether he's the best at something or whatever I just want him to kind of be really happy and and be be kind of like the best version of himself and feel like he's being the best version of himself and and just being a nice person to other people because I do think that if you're if you're a nice person you can get by at anything mm-hmm. but if you focus too much on kind of trying to be the best or trying to achieve like to be the best or anything like my mum said whenever she got my um, report report from school she'd just ignore everything to do with maths English science and get to the end and just be like is Laura happy does she play well is she kind yes yeah, cool right that's good I'm doing well as a mum and I think yeah. that's kind of what I want to be like as well mm-hmm. um, as a mum that's focusing on the things that they're you know their qualities of them as a person rather than what they can do or what they can achieve yeah that's that's awesome there was a um a gorgeous girl who was taken too soon um a few years ago and her mantra in life was smile love and be kind and I think I've tried to I love that I try to keep hold of that um because I think that's it really isn't it that's all you've got to think about at the end of the day yeah yeah just be kind because it'll make you feel happier as well yeah and um considering your journey or writing a book um but I didn't even ask you about writing a book because you're a singing teacher how did you how did you know how to write a book I I I well funny enough I made a vision board of everything I wanted to achieve um I made a vision board before I had um race of of everything to do with kind of being a parent and being pregnant and having a lovely birth and having all these affirmations and then after I achieved that as such I made a new one and I did it two years ago and I literally wrote to write and publish a book I've put on like running another we ran the London Marathon a few years ago and I thought oh I mean I don't run now I know you run (laughs) I I don't even I honestly don't have the inclination at all ever but I I would love to run another kind of Event or vendors, I put yeah. that up there. So I've put up lots of different things. So that was on my vision board to write a published book. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try. Why not? See, I put out a post on Facebook, being like, is there anyone in children's publishing out there? I've got quite a good idea for a book. And then someone I went to university with, who is now my publisher, I was like, yeah, I am. What's your idea? Um, kind of thing. And I said, I said this idea. And then he came back six months later and said, look, my best friend's just had a surrogacy journey. I totally understand all of the emotions around that now. And I think it would be great for a children's book. And so it went from there. Yeah. So it was a bit of luck, but also that's the stars aligning as well, isn't it? That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is that so. is awesome. And um, my husband would love you. Um, he's all about vision boards and all the rest oh, of it. Yeah, 
I'm all over it. Yeah, we had to do that in lockdown, write down our visions for the next few years. He's got them up in his office. I I believe it because sometimes I say to my husband, I say, I'm putting this on the vision board, get ready. And he goes, okay. And I'm like, no, seriously, if it's going up there, it's happening. No, but it's if I do, I really, I really do, I really do believe that that it works. It's worked for me anyway. And um, I do think it works. Well, one of our, we were talking before, one of my, my, one of mine really sad ones was to get, get our dog on holiday with us. (laughs) (laughs) It's on the board. It's going to happen. Yeah, but if it's it's on the board, it's going to happen. Like, (laughs) that's it. Yeah. Oh, dear. So sorry, go back to the question. So, um, any mum hacks for your journey or for writing a book or for since becoming a mum? Any, any kind of, any, any bits of experience that you think every person should know about? I think that for IVF specifically, acupuncture really helped my body reset. And I believe helped my body, um, what's the word, receive something a little bit alien and mm-hmm. I know that sounds a bit kind of weird but acupuncture kind of got my body in a in a in a, a space where it the embryo could go in and I could get pregnant and I, I really did I did it six months leading up to the IVF and I don't know whether it was fate or fluke or acupuncture but I do believe that it did help me I had a bit of bleeding I remember during my pregnancy and we I did acupuncture to help stop that and to help so that that IVF wise that that is one say to mm. do it even if you're scared of needles I mean you can't be scared of needles after doing IVF no. anyway but um I, I do I do think that that really helps because if whatever you're feeling kind of outwardly inwardly sometimes you don't know what's going on mm-hmm. where acupuncture can, can get to the root of what's going on so sometimes I'll go along and she's go oh your kidney's a bit malnourished today we need that to be really good for for, for the uh for um, kind of egg collection or something. And I'll go, oh, okay, cool. She's like, we're going to work on that today. And I go, right, cool. Whereas I wouldn't know. Mm. And I, I just think, yeah, it was it was really lovely. And I felt very calm around that as well because it takes away stress and it oh, just makes you feel I used to kind fall of... asleep <laughs> every time. Yeah. yeah. So you had acupuncture as well. Yeah, I did. I used yeah. it. Um, yeah. I used it with Bertie, where was my son, um, because he was breech, um, to yeah. try and turn him. Um, used to have a nap in that and then um, I used it for uh, I think I think just one of my miscarriages when I had retained products um, and I had it twice yeah. and literally four hours to the to the minute I just started bleeding like literally just like someone had turned on a tap so I remember once I was just folding washing sitting on the floor folding washing and poof and that, it was just Whoa. incredible um, and then yeah and then I had it for the IVF that was successful to to have my daughter so yeah no I do I'm, I'm a massive yeah. fan of acupuncture and embryo yeah. glue <laughs> and embryo glue don't forget yeah. the glue <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> oh, oh god Laura thank you so much it's been such a pleasure talking to you and you've got I've got such a lovely energy um and a beautiful oh smile. thank you so nice to speak to thank you thank you so much for having me thank you oh I haven't asked how how can people find you oh okay so i'm on instagram um at robo mummy lovely um, of course you are. so yeah <laughs> just if anyone you know ever wants to chat or anything my inbox is always open oh, and do you sing sing songs for people too or 
<laughs> I take the quest. Yeah. Frozen is my speciality. Awesome. Um, okay, can frozen I pass that goes on? <laughs> I want it. I want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'll play your tune after. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Isn't Laura fabulous? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Laura is so lovely and bubbly, it's infectious. IVF is hard. There's no way to sugarcoat it. So I think Laura is absolutely brilliant for using her experience to create something so positive. Head over to her Instagram for more details about the book and how you can get hold of it. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back next week.